0: hello everybody okay welcome to our first episode of our very first podcast um welcome to the oval office yeah
1: welcome to the oval office our little podcast we decided to start
0: we're here finally doing this after speaking about it forever like nobody knows how long me and liam have been wanting to do something like this and literally so long here we are finally doing it
1: literally and I think there's a little bit of you know clout to be given to me and Kat to people who have never ever 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 done a podcast or anything along these lines in our entire lives and somehow over the span of like maybe like two weeks we literally. figured out how to produce record um <laughs> video tape an entire podcast production from two separate sides of Canada and don't forget and, marketing
0: ourselves, too, online and putting mm, yourselves out there.
1: Definitely not easy, but somehow we figured it out um, literally off a blessing. But here we are now, and we're ready to share a little something with you guys that, I don't know, we just kind of have a little bit of a passion about. Obviously, we're both track and field athletes, and, you know, um, the topics we're going to talk about are really dear to our heart. You know, it's our lives, so we feel really passionate about them, and you kind of just, like, want to bring them out to the world and kind of give everybody a little bit of insight on what we're going to talk about. So basically, I think the first thing we should just get into right off the bat is jumping into the uh, kind of the introduction, the purpose of the podcast. Um, and so basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to be in a very respectful, very poised way. We're going to be unveiling some secrets and misconceptions yes. of the NCAA um, we're gonna be starting off, you know, specifying on track. That's kind of where the name Oval Office came from. Some people might be a little bit confused on that, but yeah. Basically we do track, we do track and the track is oval shaped. Yes. So and we spend so much time at the track day in and day out, it might as well be our like our office. Yeah, like so, we're clocking it out. I think it speaks out. for itself. Yeah, it really exactly.
0: Does. It really does. So Yeah, um, so
1: we're gonna be specifying on track, but you know, there's, like, podcasts can go every which way when it comes to production, so you never know, we might bring on, we might bring on people that have insights on other NCAA sports, um, some sports that we don't particularly know about personally. Um, and so, yeah, I think with that, we're going to jump into our own little personal introductions. I know a lot of the people who have started showing support already for our podcast kind of know who we are, they're friends, but there might be some people out there that don't particularly know who we are. So, I'll let Kat take it away first to introduce herself to the yes, podcast. Let's
0: not be strangers here. Um, so, my name is Katerina Vlahovic, but all my besties call me Kat, so just call me Kat. Um, I'm a Sprint Hurdler from Iowa State University. I'm a fourth year, and I major in marketing. Um, I'm originally from Canada, the west coast of Canada, to be specific from a little place called BC, Um, I'm also a two-time- Little place, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, a very large place, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I'm actually a two-time Team Canada member, um, and also three times junior national champion, Canadian uh, Canadian national champion, that's not good right now, uh, Um, and another thing that i like to say is that I got third at Big 12s when I was a sophomore, (laughs) <laughs> one of my say favorite, it how like, it is. Favorite thing to say. Um, I got eighth this year, but last year I got third, and um, we can't forget about that. But no,
1: of course not. Yes, take it I away. Love it. Leo. Take it away. Okay. Next.
0: Let me know who you are.
1: Hmm. Okay, so my name's Leah Mailer. I am a sprint hurdler from Canada as well, out in London, Ontario. Um, I Go to Colorado State University. I'm going into my fourth year. Uh, I also market uh, Market, oh my god, I can't speak. I also major in marketing um, Something me and Kat have in common besides running and I am a multiple-time Provincial champion in Ontario Um, I've represented Canada twice on two different international stages and most recently I got second at Mountain West track and field championships in the hurdles. Yes, um, sir. you know, and both me and Kat, you know, we're both still very young in the world of track and I know we have so many goals for ourselves.
0: So many um, insane and- goals that we sometimes let consumer consume our well-being but
1: no literally on an unhealthy scale but that you know, is a at di- least
0: different conversation there could be
1: other things yeah there's that's for other conversations that there, there yeah. could be worse things that consume our lives but, but yeah. yeah we're just both really dedicated to what we do we love what we do and we're really passionate about it so, so here we are so i'm going to jump into a little sneak peek on the topics we're going to be discussing um today yeah let
0: them know the tea what tea are we going to spill today
1: yeah, so today we're gonna be covering um two major topics. Um, the first one being the misconceptions around scholarships in our sport in the NCAA. Uh, and we're also gonna be talking about how coaches have too much power sometimes and you know power the struggle the a- oh period, power struggle and like the opinions of the athletes on the outside looking in and like how we have nothing to do about it. So let's just <sighs> hop into our first topic today. Um and it's something that is really funny. I'm actually gonna share a story right off the bat. So yeah, let's go. Um when I did my first year at University of Iowa, it was really popular that everyone drove mopeds around town. They oh had God. their little mopeds. Um <sighs> and I personally I had a moped. I, I got have- to Iowa.
0: I have rode on that moped, actually, I remember.
1: You have. You have. You did visit Iowa City, and you were on that moped. Yes. Um, little dangerous, but, you know, we survived. <laughs> um, but everyone had mopeds, and it, I remember I was in class one day, and someone from one of my classes, they weren't an athlete, they said, like, oh my gosh, like, it's so nice. Like, you guys get your school paid for, and they give you mopeds.
0: Oh my I god, like, I wish. I was like, What? I really but, wish.
1: What? I'm like, we do not... What? No, I bought that myself. She's like, what? Like, don't all the student athletes get mopeds? I'm like, no. Like, 90% of the student athletes on the track team don't even have scholarships. Wow. Like, literally. And I think that's something I want to talk about today is how in a sport, in the NCAA of over 100 athletes, um, men only get 12.6 scholarships and women get 16. And basically what that means is for the men's side of the team, there's 12.6 full-ride scholarships, so a team can split that up however they want, whether or not someone gets a full-ride and takes one of that at 12, or they split it up all into partials. And then women get 16 uh, because of Title Nine rules. Um, Wait, and Liam. They have
0: to... Let's also hmm. explain like what the Title Nine rule even is because I remember I was, okay. I was trying to tell this to um, my best friend Ariana literally yesterday. I was trying to tell her and Traven about this. <laughs> And it was literally so hard for me to explain because I didn't know how to say it in, like, simple terms as to why men only get 12.6 and why women get 16. So maybe okay, elaborate on it. that. No, you're going Go to it. It because I'm gonna have to elaborate it. I'm going to have to? Yes, you're okay. going to have to because I literally don't know. Like <laughs>
1: Okay, so, basically, Title Nine is to, like, kind of protect equality and equity in NCAA sports, but also it kind of, like, overlaps onto a lot of different areas of just, like, general U.S. law. So, because a men's football team- Yes. Um, has so many scholarships, like, Sorry. upwards of, like, 80 or 90, I don't really know what the exact number is, but they have so many scholarships, um- and there isn't, like, a women's football team to, like, balance it out. Um, every single men's sport in an NCAA institution has to have less scholarships than the women's team to make up for the, like, the overarching amount of men's football scholarships. Um, and there also needs to be, um, I think it's, like, one or two more women's sports on a team than men's sports. They can't be, like, equal just to, like, match up with the amount of scholarships. Yeah, I don't yeah, really know yeah. how it works, but... Yeah, that's basically it. Um, little little education lesson for those who don't really understand Title Nine, but now you know. Um, and yeah, because th-
0: at um, Iowa State, there's like so many women's sports, and mm-hmm. there's like only like four guy sports. I'm pretty sure. Like there, there's like there's there's. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but there's just so many women's sports in comparison to guy sports, and like that's pretty common to see in like many other schools in the NCAA because of this reason.
1: Yeah, so it basically just upholds equity, something that is really important. Um, and we make sure that all men and women on NCAA sports get, you know, fairness, equal, equal equality. And, you know, it's, uh, it's good. So, yeah, that basically sums up that. But at the end of the day, there are less scholarships for men on a track team than women. And that plays a lot into the pressure to perform. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, this is something that it's like a really touchy subject because um, some people have four-year solidified scholarships, and some people are on year-to-year. So when you're on a year-to-year and, you know, you're trying to, like, solidify in your coach's mind, The percentage of scholarship you're getting, you cannot have a hiccup in your training. You cannot have a hiccup in your competing. No way!
0: It's basically do or die.
1: Oh, period. And that's (laughs) why the the pressure to perform is so high. And that's something that really plays on the scholarship misconceptions that people don't know about. Is you know being an NCAA athlete, specifically in track, like it's not hunky dory. It's not like you know it's not fun all the time. Like there's this massive pressure to perform on our shoulders. Um, because of these unobtainable goals that they set for us. And me and Kat equally experienced this. Oh, a yeah. cat uh, more so this year, but like it's it's not it's not fun and it's not a nice feeling and people don't get it. Um and that just is, goes to show how cutthroat it is in the NCAA, right, Kat.
0: Yeah, like I remember um there was this one guy on my team and like I didn't really know him that well but I just like heard through the grapevine about how he was on like a year-to-year scholarship and there was this time where he didn't perform the way that everybody was expecting Mm -hmm. and to put it in the most simplest terms we like just never saw him again and um Yeah. yeah it's pretty sad like He literally just didn't have, like, so many things, a lot of people forget that so many things go into race day. Like, it's literally not just how much you train, how good you did that week at practice. Like, it's all about, like, a collective effort. Like, how are you mentally? Did you sleep okay? Like, are you eating enough? Like, what are your stress levels like? so it's definitely a little bit hard and unfair for these coaches to put this sort of pressure on athletes to like get them to do things that like is a little bit unrealistic like if you're threatening an athlete on the team their position on the team like basically telling them that they're not going to be there anymore if they don't be, if they're not perfect on the weekend, if they don't jump, like, a PR, if they don't run, like, a uh, top 10, top 8 mark, uh, in, top 8 conference mark that weekend, then, like, they're basically gone from the team, and it's, like, hearing that and knowing that you're kind of at their disposal, disposal it's really hard to get yourself pumped like get yourself motivated even be even being happy being there because like these coaches are basically showing you and telling you that like they're gonna kick you off if you're not gonna do what they're saying like it's really scary and like it's I think
1: people also should like know like me and Kat are like kind of like when we're talking about this like we're smiling and giggling like it's like funny but it's not it's really not. Like we have some like deep-rooted trauma from our sport that causes us to not be able to react to very serious problems. Like everything's like just the a one joke she's now. Explaining
0: everything's yeah, just a joke everything's now. a joke. Like you just—it's
1: how we cope with it. Literally, <laughs>
0: you literally just it's have sad, to just laugh. It's sad, but it's true. Sometimes, the only the only coping mechanism you have is just to realize that life isn't that serious. There's more to life than um your athletic abilities and you're Mm -hmm. not just a number like you literally have to remember that and exactly the only people that are going to reassure you of that in these environments are your friends your family hopefully your teammates um yeah it's definitely hard because um I remember my freshman year um i wasn't doing so well um i was actually doing i was actually having the worst season of my life like to to freshman year will do it to you to, to just make it clear i was having the worst season of my life like i gained 15 pounds i was like away from home like i was just doing college transition year like
1: Living in Iowa. Living
0: in Iowa. Like I'm a city girl and I'm living in Iowa. I'm living in the midwest country, like <laughs> like you can you can imagine like what I'm experiencing, okay? Like
1: Yeah, whatever. it's not fun. There's and no the coaches don't make it easy.
0: There's there's no sushi anywhere. There's no sushi for me for me to eat and there's no sushi <laughs> there's nobody that will come with me to eat sushi. Anyways, so yeah. So <laughs> my freshman year, I I'm yeah I'm having the worst season ever, and so I remember it was I think we were just starting we were just starting outdoor, and I think we had like one or two meets in, and obviously I did terrible because I was doing terrible, but like at the time I didn't know why. and there are a bunch of other people I had a really big freshman class, and many other people were experiencing the same thing as me. and I remember one day at practice. Um, my head coach came to have a meeting with us and he was basically saying that whoever doesn't put something up on the board by saying whoever doesn't run something meaningful or perform something that is like impressive to him they are not traveling um to like this big meet that we had it was like arizona he was like he was like, Whoever doesn't perform is not going to Arizona and their season is going to be cut. And to me, hearing that, I was like, Oh my God, like, I have all these goals. Like, he's basically telling me that I'm not going to come back. Like, how am I going to go back home and, like, tell him and face everybody and tell them that, like, my head coach basically told me that I'm not going to be able to finish my season. I'm not even going to have a full season because he basically said I'm not good enough.
1: And that is. That pressure that's put onto a freshman, not even just freshmen, so it can be all the way up to senior year, that pressure to perform put on the back of someone who's between the ages of 18 and 21. Yeah, I was 18! Yeah, like, you're just trying, like, before going to college, you did what you did because you enjoyed it. Um, and now there are these pressures. There's this pressure to uphold your, um, god, what's the word? The pressure to uphold your your worth, I guess you could say, to the scholarship that you're on um and then at that point it's an endless cycle because when you're when you're stressed you don't perform well and when you don't perform yeah. well you upset your coaches and then when you upset your coaches you threaten your scholarship and it's it goes it just goes round and round and round and there's no resolution to it because these coaches don't understand that if you take the pressure off your athletes backs like this is why sometimes walk-on athletes have the best college experience because there's no sport. expectation right no expectations for them like they're not going to get cut they need people on the team but they have no scholarship to be threatened so they can freely and happily you know get better but it's the same thing like ha just explained like the pressure put on her back it, it sets you up for failure and coaches do it time and time again and yeah there's a small handful of people in the ncaa that handled it well because you know they just had freakishly good abilities They're like Sydney McLaughlin.
0: Freak in nature, like God-given talents, like literally born with it. Yeah,
1: right. and you know, amazing for them. I'm really happy for them, but like that is the one percent of track in the ends up
0: Yes, yes, because like, I remember, I remember being in high school and like looking at people like Sydney or like tar davis and like other people who are just like so amazing like gifted people and i'm like i want to be like that Mm -hmm. and like you have coaches recruiting you like obviously like gassing you up being like yeah you're gonna do this you're gonna do that like you're amazing Mm -hmm. yada 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 but then like when you when you get there and you are like when you get there and you and you're a human being like having hiccups like transitioning not completely smoothly like they're a little bit unforgiving about that and absolutely and nobody talks about that enough
1: and it's it's like also something to be said is especially for people like me and kat and other canadian teammates who are competing around the u.s for their respective schools um we train very differently in canada throughout high school before we go to college the american track training system is very different than, like, the very European-heavy training that is still held through our coaches in Canada. Yeah. And the transition to move to the U.S. to a completely different... This is also a topic we'll dig into deeper uh, in a later episode, but the training difference that we experience um doesn't make it easy because your body is it's like basically trying to include something very foreign into your body and it's not going to take it lightly and you're going to have you're going to have a bad time adjusting and that is that's just the fact of the matter um and these coaches in the states they don't take that into account at all because they just expect everyone to fit into these cookie cutter molds and if you don't you're garbage and then you're pushed to the side and you're discarded um and That's just something that I don't think I could, like, hammer into anyone's head more and more and more when they ask me about, like, what's it like being an NCAA athlete? I think that's just, like, an over and over and over again type type topic, you know? It's
0: definitely really scary. Um, I'm really grateful for my coach. He worked a lot with Canadian athletes, so he kind of knew, like, what... Like, Canadian athletes like wanted and like how they kind of work and just like how they are as people so like that like what I'm trying to say is that like not every coach is going to be like that but like, exactly it's a it's a really high percent of coaches who are just a little bit um not a little bit they are um cutthroat and it can, it can be, it can be really, it can be really intimidating. I would say, like especially if you're like a freshman, like any kind of freshman. Like if you're a freshman that has really high expectations, like you're a really big recruit. Like um, a lot of people are expecting a lot of things from you. Like you can have a lot of pressure to perform the way that everybody wants you to, or it's like you can be a little bit of a lower recruit, but you're still gonna wanna be impressive to the team like you're gonna want to like earn your spot and um sometimes it's not really it's not really like a smooth process like you're gonna experience a lot of bumps in the road and you're gonna have to reevaluate your whole entire lifestyle this is what I was saying to like one of the freshmen um that came back from college at my club track i was explaining to him about how i literally had to reevaluate my whole entire lifestyle when i was a freshman because everything you did in high school it really isn't going to cut it in college like you have to fully change what you do off the track in order to survive like you really have to dedicate all of your effort into this
1: yeah and i guess that is also when it comes to like explaining to people who don't fully understand um you know, maybe it's someone who wants to go to the NCAA and experience, um, that next level of training and competing, or if it's people who don't really understand it, like, what we talk about on here, like, there is definitely a big portion that is, you know, that can be different for the, like, the coaches can treat their athletes differently, but there's also, like, a really, really big portion that a lot of athletes just don't take it upon themselves to better themselves, and, you know, try to make it work, because, I mean... You know, as much as it's the coaches, like, I don't know, their job to make you better um, and make you compete the way that you're supposed to and you know you can, it's also a big part of you as an individual to make sure that you're doing everything you can to make sure you're, you know, you're being healthy, you're, you're rehabbing correctly, you're getting oh, yeah. your body right, you're sleeping right. Like, if you're not doing those things and you're just running off and blaming your coach and, you know, blaming the pressure and all this kind of stuff, like, you're... leaving out a big chunk of the equation and that's not fair either
0: for sure um let's also talk about the differences between bigger schools and smaller schools Mm. and how scary it can be and like not all that it can be about going to a big school because i know everybody has really high hopes going to a big school in the power five or like the sec but like nobody really fully understands like what it can really take to run with the big dogs
1: exactly i mean you're you've experienced it you're still experiencing it i experienced it freshman year and then left and went to a smaller school and i still experience it it's like You know, if you're... Everyone wants to go to the Power Five. Everyone wants to run at, you know, Arkansas. Everyone wants to go to Alabama.
0: Everybody wants to go to Florida. Everybody wants to go
1: to Georgia. mm, (laughs) Everyone wants to go to the... Like, obviously, everyone... I want to freaking go there. Duh. But you need to think about yourself in the long run. Because I went to one of those big schools. And my goals didn't align with the coaches' goals there. And, you know, maybe at the time my athletic abilities didn't line up with what was expected of me there, and I got injured, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of people like to rush this decision and go somewhere that, you know, looks real nice and has nice gear. Super and all flashy, this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. cute facilities.
1: But my opinion is if you're not the Canadian Sydney McLaughlin, the Canadian Tara Davis, the. Like I don't know if you're not hitting marks that's gonna make nationals and score, don't go to these schools because you will understand what it's like to be thrown to the side like trash quicker than anybody else because or, like, I've been there.
0: Forgotten about because the teams are so big and like everybody wants to like everybody wants to walk on the team. Like people are people will accept chump change just to represent the school because it's like a reputable name and there's so many people on the team and like if you're not the star. You are going to be forgotten about. I'm sorry. Unless Uh you unless you are trying to be the star as well, then you're you are gonna get left in the dust. Like you have to be extremely competitive. Like you're you have to want it bad. You're gonna have to fight for that number one spot. Because if you're just settling, like if you're just content with where you are, you're gonna get you're gonna get forgotten and you are not gonna get respected and you're not gonna get treated how you deserve to be treated.
1: Exactly. And on the topic of how cutthroat programs are, no matter where you go in the NCAA, like, it's going to be cutthroat, whether it's a big school or a small school, but there's a lot that can be said for how big schools are a lot more cutthroat than smaller schools. And when we say big versus small schools, what we mean by that is um, big schools would be something considered like the Power Five, something in the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, like those big conferences, and then smaller schools is anything that kind of fits in the, the lower tiers. So if, for example, I go to Colorado State, and we're in what's called the next five, and that's the next five conferences that are, you know, the next five competitive conferences. Um, and there is a very big difference in expectations of effort-wise, performance-wise, um, conference-mark-wise, um, from these two different types of, you know, tiers of NCAA D1 schools um, but at the end of the day, they're all cutthroat. It's just which one are going to fit into better.
0: Literally.
1: Cat's done a really good job at, you know, getting third at Big 12s and, you know, setting <sighs> her place. Ugh.
0: Okay, but then, like, you can get third at Big 12s, but then when you get eighth eight at Big 12s the next year, it's like, what are you doing, Cat? What's going on, Cat? Like, what happened, Cat? Nothing happened. Nothing even but happened. But then
1: my thing is... When they're saying all that, I'm like, "Where were you when this, 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 and this was happening?" And now you want to switch up on me?
0: Like, don't forget that I'm running on two broken Achilles tendons, freaking strain, a strained MCL on my knee. Um,
1: don't worry, we'll save the injury talk <laughs> for next episode.
0: Being homesick, not being home for a year—like, oh my god, can't forget about that either.
1: No, and there, there's a lot of injury talk, mental health talk, um, you know, general just, like, things that we're going to get into in later episodes that we're just, like, going to try not to jump into because we could talk for hours and hours and hours about the stuff that we go through story-wise, and we're going to, but um, I think we want to kind of jump into this next topic that kind of comes off of this conversation of cutthroatness. Um, and it's how coaches have too much power. Um, and what I mean by power is, you know, so basically in the way coaching is designed to be, it is a two way street, like any relationship, whether it's with your girlfriend or boyfriend, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with a teacher or a professor with your best and also exactly with a coach. It is a two-way street of relationship, a two-way street of trust, commitment, you know, all the, all the good stuff, but coaches have too much power to the point where their relationship with their athletes, um, it feels more like they're a principal, and you're one of your, like, their little fifth grade students. There is, like, this complete, like, overhanging feeling of they have complete power over you when at the end of the day, your coach is supposed to have equal amount of trust in you as you do them but that's just not the case. And that's something we really want to di- like dig in- into because that kind of leads into a lot of how like the performance pressures and the cutthroatness and the yeah. that leads to our potential poor performances. It's it all it literally can all be bunched into one big clusterfuck of issues and literally. I don't know, I guess we're just kind of going to start unraveling this one a like, little bit, but
0: Like as an athlete your coach's word Holds like so much weight and so much value so when a coach is like coming to you and like and they're being like very doubtful like being very like unbelieving in your ability it really like affects you negatively like you really take that shit to heart like you really start thinking, like, oh, my God, like, am, do I even belong in this team? Like, am I even anything? Like, can I even amount to anything? Like, it really makes you, like, have... But the
1: coaches don't expect us to feel that way.
0: Yeah, like, they feel like they can just say anything to us. Like, oh, my God, I remember... Um, I... <laughs> I had... <laughs> I've to I got th- into a way,
1: I think it's also really fair, really fair to note that Kat has a really good relationship with her coach.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like Kat's
1: been really blessed with having a really good coach. Love you, Rizzo. Gonna Love you, Rizzo. That Rizzo, out there. Rizzo, you're the best
0: <laughs> Rizzo, you're the bestest ever. And he knows that he is the bestest ever. <laughs> and I know he's gonna be listening to this podcast. So shout out to Frank Rizzo.
1: But shout out to Frank Rizzo.
0: But um Earlier in the year, I had a little bit of an oopsie at practice, and I was doing I was doing a one step drill, and for all my hurdlers out there, I was doing the one step drill where the hurdles are like extremely close together, and um.
1: I hate this drill. Just so everybody knows, this drill I, sucks. It's, it I, sucks. I never <laughs> I
0: never did this drill when I was in high school. Like I did a different version of it. Like. I like ran up okay I'm not even gonna explain that but yeah this drill it was like it's the one-step drill where you're super close together and like you're not really making up any distance you're just practicing like being explosive and like reacting off the ground and like you're not really going forward you're kind of just going up and you're and you're going over like maybe like five hurdles and so one time um one day on a Saturday morning, we had Saturday practice and this particular Saturday practice, there were no trainers around. And the only reason why there were no trainers around was because there was a meet in Des Moines, like downtown Des Moines. So me being cat, having crazy, terrible luck, I just happened to fall over the first hurdle. And the way I felt my knee went directly <laughs> directly to the base. Uh, it went directly to the base of the hurdle and i want everybody to know that in college you're not gonna practice over those flimsy swing sits or hurdles like we are not uh-uh. doing that ever like in college uh-uh. you are using competition hurdles all the time like you if you're gonna fall you better get up and do that rep again like oh my god <laughs> And so my knee went straight into the base of the hurdle and I cut that shit open and had to get four stitches in my knee. And four like, doesn't
1: sound like a lot but like that cut was deuce.
0: disgusting. It was so it was gross. disgusting. Like I remember when I looked at it for the first time, I just bursted into tears. And then I just couldn't get over how ugly it was, and like I couldn't stop crying, and I wasn't sure if I should even continue the workout. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, I just cut my knee open, and I'm thinking about continuing the workout. It was <laughs> stupid.
1: That's <laughs> literally on the ground, wounded, <laughs> open, like bleeding everywhere. She's like, "Wait, I got three more reps." <laughs> like
0: my pants, my pants are full of blood. Like literally, there's I'm just losing so much blood, and like you can you can see like. The fat pads in my knee. Okay, like, okay. okay, get yeah. to the point. Anyways, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, you can get into, like, an accident and still have people blame you for it. Like, mm-hmm. some of my coaches are trying to say, like, well, well, it seemed like, like, you were a little bit off this year. Um, You weren't able to run, and it was, like, for whatever reason, and I'm like, let me just stop you right there, because... I don't know if you notice but I am injured against my will like I do not want to be injured like who wants to be injured what athlete can you name wants to be injured and the point of the story is that sometimes you're going to get blamed for things that you can't even control and it's going to make you mad and you're just going to have to um, take it and move forward because you can't always argue with a coach.
1: Exactly, and that's kind of like the whole thing that coaches have too much power when something like track and field or all NCAA sports is turned into a business because, you know, obviously Kat didn't want to get injured. When I got injured freshman year, I didn't want to get injured. All my teammates that got injured this year, like, they didn't want to get injured. Um, It's not something anyone wants to go through, but it happens, and it's part of life, and it's part of training and competing. But when you being healthy relies on you winning championship points and it relies on your coach's salary and the performance of your team in the eyes of the athletic department, it's very, very easy for someone who holds a lot of power on an on a NCAA institution team to start to see you less as a person and you know, think about your care and well-being and start thinking about you as a disposable number. And that's a phrase that's talked about a lot in um, the world of NCAA sports is that if you go to these big schools or if you go to the NCAA in general, you're going to be seen as a number, not a person. And what they mean by that is every single athlete in the NCAA, there is a folder in their compliance office that has all their information of it, their NCAA everything. And there's a little number on the top and everybody has their NCAA ID number. And that's what they see you as. And it's sad, but it's the truth because there's just like money that rides on this. It's our coaches livelihoods and their paychecks that ride on us doing well. And when we can't, you know, perform because we're injured, like they don't care. They're going to, they're going to move you aside and bring in the next person.
0: Like if you're not, if you're not doing your job, they will just literally be like, well, I got to find someone else to do it. And they'll literally
1: mm-hmm. replace you just like that. hmm And it's just, it's sad because, I mean, before I left for college, I had a, I have, I still do have a really good relationship with my club coach. And when, you know, someone like my club coach who, like, my performances has nothing to do with her livelihood. It has nothing to do with her putting, you know, food on the table for her family. Um, She's able to continue being there for me when I have, I go through my lows because with everything, nothing's going to be constantly an up. It's, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, But my coach at home would always be there, have my back, support me, you know, you know, not give up on me, not um, throw things in my face. That's going to make me even more down like scholarship reductions, you know, not traveling to meets, blah, 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 like whatever it might be. Whereas you know these coaches in the states, our performances rely on, on, or our their livelihoods rely on our good performances, and it's just that there's that complete differentiation, in how they treat you versus their club coaches and the college coaches, and it it's sad and it's it sucks, but it's just the reality of it.
0: I swear, like I'm pretty sure my team and like my coaches are. Pretty upset with me because I literally didn't compete at all this year like well I did I did I competed indoor. I mean Kat to
1: be fair had a really like shitty year shady, shitty
0: shitty shitty as fuck and here I am smiling here I am smiling. Period. still living my best life when and because fact, we
1: know at the end of the day there's gonna be the light at the end of the tunnel like there's gonna be next season and we're gonna kill it
0: ugh, even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel like Let me, Mm. let me just, let me just, let me just say this. I, so everybody knows about my knee injury. That took about two weeks to recover. And that was, that happened at the beginning of outdoor season. Like I had to miss, I had to miss Florida Relays.
1: (laughs) Mm, You were so excited for Florida Relays. Oh my God. For context, this is like, this happened to Kat, like, what was it? Like mid-March?
0: No, this literally happened the last weekend of march i think and florida relays was florida relays was like the uh florida relays was easter weekend
1: gotcha okay so this is like this is this is pretty early in this season this is is end of march
0: that was my season opener bro and then like so whatever i was like okay whatever i'm gonna miss florida relays and then after i um Recovered from that. I was opening up at Baylor. I had to miss like so I had to miss two meets because of my knee And then now I'm opening up at Baylor so excited so happy like so excited to open up outdoor like I love outdoor like 50 times more than indoor um and I'm at Baylor and I pull my hamstring out of nowhere and I had no hamstring problems the whole entire year like what the hell and then a couple of weeks, not a couple of weeks, a couple of days after that, I get COVID. So basically, my whole outdoor season was thrown out the garbage, and like I wasn't able to produ- produce at all um, outdoor season. And like I had a pretty hopeful season ahead of me. Like I was supposed to do some really cool things, um, but I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to contribute for my team. And, like, now I'm pretty sure my team doesn't really like me that much. They probably do, but, like, I just feel like they don't because.
1: Yeah, and there's also, like, a big part of, like, the guilt, I guess, because I felt that. Like, I've been through countless injuries in the NCAA as well, and there's that guilt that you want to perform for your team. You want to be there for your team because your team's there for you athletically. And you just know Um, what your
0: coaches are thinking, too. mm
1: Mm-hmm. (laughs) and it sucks it's a shitty feeling but there's nothing you can do about it and and any like any person in their right mind would think well there's nothing you could do about it so they should just be there to support you you think
0: you would think think? maybe maybe if you were a top athlete on the team right Mm -hmm. liam right liam Mm -hmm. like let's talk about the difference between being the best athlete on the team and being like a regular al- athlete on the team and, like, the difference it makes and how people treat you.
1: And let's not forget, like, regardless of if you're one of the best on the team or if you're just, like, you know, a regular athlete that's just running regular times, like, those top athletes and those quote-unquote regular athletes are putting in the same amount of effort most of the time. Sometimes, not so much. But there are people on teams that are putting in the equal, if not more, effort... Um, but they're just you know for whatever reason whether it be you know mental health physical health um believing in themselves there's a plethora of reasons that can cause someone to not run good times so many there is a very distinct difference in how top athletes are treated on teams versus you know not the top athletes like I've i've
0: literally seen it like on my team like some of the bigger athletes, not bigger, some of the better athletes are like able to like go to like out of state somewhere for the weekend or like train there. And get away with it. And get away with it. But then if like someone else tried to do it, that's not okay. You can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. You gotta be here for practice. You gotta be here on time. You gotta be with the team. You gotta train with the team. But like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: unless you're like, you know all-american or like mm-hmm. conference champ like you're not gonna get away with these kind of things
1: and to be fair like there is a certain extent to which these people on these teams they have kind of earned the respect because For sure. For you know sure. we can't to, to run those times, jump those distances jump those heights you know throw those distances like is to be celebrated but Coaches and teams love to preach family. And that this team's your family. Oh my god. But sometimes, like, I know damn well that if my sister did something better than I did, um, she wouldn't get more privileges than I at home. But (laughs) some of my siblings on my team...
0: (laughs) My brothers and sisters on the team...
1: Mm, it's not the same it's like the energy isn't maintained and you know no. sometimes it doesn't sit well with me sometimes it does it's inconsistency.
0: But... the inconsistency for me
1: exactly and it plays a lot onto the narrative that coaches administration and teammates will give to individuals on teams when it comes to if they're injured and they're out for a season Cause some people will have the coach, you know, writing entire like side workouts while they're injured, having these like diligent plans to Bro, get them back healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dude, and I re- some
1: people get nothing.
0: I remember oh my god, I don't even know if I could say this story. I remember <laughs> I was begging, begging, begging. Everybody Please take me to Florida. Please. Like, everything is already booked. Everything is, like, my my name's already there. Like, I'm technically going. Like, the mm-hmm. hotel room's there. The meets thing, like, I'm registered. Like, plane ticket's there. But they're like, no, 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 no. Like, you can't. It's against the rules. But then other schools, like, I don't know if I should say other schools in the SEC bring injured athletes there, vlogging there. You know, filming their Mm -hmm. workouts there, being content creators there, and they're not even competing.
1: No, exactly. And, you know... So,
0: it's like, basically, I want to say coaches can do anything if they want to.
1: mm Mm-hmm. And, at the end of the day, when a coach doesn't want to do something for... Or, sorry, rather, the coach can't do something for you when you know (laughs) damn well they can... You know they're feeling some type of way about you because of your performances, and that yes, is like, absolutely no way a coach should treat an athlete. It just
0: made like you can see that it's it starts to get personal, like mm-hmm. like there's some type of like vendetta against you.
1: And then you know, it's easy. <sighs> not I guess I shouldn't say easy because it's never easy to be treated that way by a coach, but it's easier athletes who are close to home who are in-staters who live nearby who have their support system nearby but for the people of the likes of me and Kat we're thousands of miles away from home our support system oh is God. supposed to be our coach that person's supposed yes. to have your back granted Kat has a really good support system with her coach at Iowa State love Rizzo he's amazing I, I on the other hand can't say too much about my um little situation um, but it sucks because you feel completely left out in the dark. You you feel completely isolated, um back into a corner and you get like you can't trust anybody. And half the time you can't.
0: I so, swear. like it sucks. It's garbage. Your coach like at school is basically like your parent. Like when you're literally thousands of miles away, like, across the ocean in another country, like, you're going to look at your coach like they're your dad or something. Because, like, your dad might not be awake at that time when you need help or your dad's not going to understand fully, like, what's going on. Like, they are literally are the ones that are supposed to be looking out for you. And when they're not mm-hmm. and when they, like, don't have your back, it's really disappointing and heartbreaking because it's, like, You built me up to like come to your school, like you recruited me, you sold me this idea, and now like, uh -uh, where's the same energy? Yes, like you're turning your back on me. Like, why would I? Why do I even want to be here? Like,
1: so just make sure. Essentially, long story short, make sure when you're picking a school and a coach, make sure you really fuck with your coach. Make sure you really, really fuck with them. (laughs) Like,
0: make sure that they're a part of your gang. Make sure they're a gang member. Like, make sure you can trust them. Like, make sure like you know that, um, they're good people and they're not just, like, trying to just use you because you're definitely exactly. more of an athlete.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay, um, so I think those are, that's a lot of information we wanted to cover, you know, we kind of sure. just wanted to start off with, like, a little bit of an insight to two major topics that have kind of been burning on our chest. So I feel like <laughs> we covered those pretty good.
0: Yeah, sit, some topics are just sitting heavy on the mental.
1: Exactly, sitting heavy on the mental. And it's really good to get them out. It's really good to start those conversations. Yes. It's really good to, um, you know, it's also the biggest thing right now is I just think it's really important that we make sure that we get these stories out so, like, people understand that they're not the only ones thinking about it.
0: Literally, and, like, sometimes, like, I know one of my best friends... Um, Tati, she was explaining to me that like at her old school, like sometimes she really felt like she wasn't hurt, like like mm-hmm. some of her problems like never mattered and like I kept trying to tell her like no, like what's happening to you is not okay. And like it's really exactly. important to like make these conversations and like know that like okay, like these people are paying for your school, like they're paying you to be here, but like that doesn't mean that they need to treat you like less than what you are
1: exactly and that's just exactly what we're trying to get out into the atmosphere spread those positive vibes um and basically i just kind of want to give a little bit of a rundown on what you can expect to hear in the next episode um me and kat are going to kind of talk about a little bit about injuries and how they affect you mentally physically and yes. socially on your teams um me and kat have both been through far too much of that um too so we got a lot many to freak talk about accidents mm-hmm Um, we're going to talk about competing internationally and the similarities that the NCAA track world have to competing in these different countries. Um, we're also going to talk about the differences between Canada and the U.S. when it comes to track and the differences that we had to experience when moving abroad. Um, and we're also going to talk why we chose the NCAA instead of staying home because sitting back now, I definitely regret the decision. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) It's definitely a controversial decision
1: yeah so we're just gonna dive into that for sure there's lots of controversial stuff to talk about there um something i did want to say is this is a very new podcast and you know for it to take off it does require a lot of um our viewers help we'd love to get um our viewers to help us spread the word about the oval office podcast we are super new share Um, it share it share with your friends on your instagram stories tell your mom Exactly, because then the more support we get, the more content we can create. and yeah, We want to create content yeah, for y'all.
0: Me and Leama are the most perfect people for this podcast, and there's nobody better to execute it than we are.
1: No, literally, when we're together, it, the energy is just unmatched.
0: We are it's powerful.
1: Um, I just want to let everybody know that you can stream our podcast, The Oval Office, on all streaming, major streaming platforms. That is Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Podcasts. Um, You can find us on Instagram at the Oval Office Podcast. Um, If you click the link in our bio, you can find the link to our RSS feed, which is our podcast main home, and you can also stream all of our episodes directly from there as well. Um, So don't be afraid to subscribe to our podcast, listen to our upcoming episodes, and share it with your friends, because we hope to, I don't know, just kind of... Build this new base of conversation for things that people felt they couldn't talk about before.
0: Yes. Like, me and Liam are just trying to make the best podcast there ever was.
1: Period. And we're going to keep it coming. So, we hope everybody enjoyed episode one. A little bit of an introduction to the world of NCAA track. Yes. Um, and tune in for episode two, whenever that might be.
0: See you later, everybody. All right, everybody. y'all. Thanks for tuning See ya. in. See y'all. Bye. Bye.